Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these podcasts, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. DiscerningHearts.com presents Spiritual Warfare and the Progress of the Soul with Dan Burke, who is the founder and president of the Avila Institute for Spiritual Formation and hosts the Divine Intimacy radio show with his wife, Stephanie. He is the author and editor of more than 17 books on Catholic spirituality, including Devil in the Castle, St. Teresa of Avila, Spiritual Warfare and the Progress of the Soul, the book on which this series is based. Spiritual Warfare and the Progress of the Soul with Dan Burke. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Dan, thank you again for joining me. I'm so grateful for this time, especially with one of the busiest men on the planet. Well, you you know, your ministry is really uh, important to the church and uh, discerning hearts is we we have so many people who love what we do and love what you do. So it's it's uh, it's a real blessing to be with you and contribute to the great work that you're doing. I consider it a great compliment complimenting ministry. We complement each other, and I think that's how the Holy Spirit works. That's a great sign, isn't it? Um, unity. Yeah, and I think what's cool about it is you know when we can do things like this there's not a territorialism, right? It's, it's just, if I lift you up and you lift me up, then everybody wins, you know? Uh, and so it's a beautiful thing when different organizations who have, who have uh, similar missions, but unique um, uh, expressions can collaborate in a way that really uh, lifts all, you know, rising tide, right? Lifts all yep. boats. So love that. It's I not global warming too. either. It's just right, heartwarming. Right. Nothing it's heartwarming. Warming. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, anyway. Yeah. And I just, and I was so grateful when the devil in the castle, St. Teresa of Avila, spiritual warfare and the progress of the soul came out. I've got, I've had to take some of my, my tabs out because they lose their meaning after a while when you <laughs> right. have so many in there and you're just, right. yeah, I've got a lot of tabs in my own, my own copy too. So. And because it brings to us an aspect of the castle, we talked about this last time, but it brings about aspects of the castle that is contextualized with a lot of other great teaching, but brings forward how the enemy will work in the castle. And again, well, in our interior life, affect us in, in so many different ways outside too. And that's not spoken often about, um, in relation to the interior castle, is it? No, it, it's been an ignored um, aspect of her teaching. I think um, only you know touched upon peripherally at times, and um, that's when I wrote the book. Is I you know I did it so that uh, that could be brought out, and people who are moved by her work could be helped, um, but also to introduce the broader church uh, to the understanding of her unique contribution to how the enemy works at different stages of the spiritual life. Certainly you can find that in John as well, John of the cross. Um, 
a little bit in Ignatius. I know you've had some great shows with Father Gallagher because the first rules one through 14 are tend to be in the purgative way and the second rules tend to be normative in the, in the, in the illuminative way. But Teresa gives a very thorough uh, treatment of, of every stage really uh, from the beginning of the interior life to union. Uh, she gives the most thorough, I think, uh, description and experiential description, which is helpful to uh, to help us understand what's coming, you know, as we travel the the narrow way into the castle, and we, we can understand what's coming. Maybe what better understand what we're experiencing now, and then uh, more effectively correspond or yield or follow, you know, the Lord's wisdom as to how to fight and how to make progress. Mm, well said. I think the uh, thing that helped me the most when I went back and through your uh, guidance in this, in the book, you said, go back and bring uh, the interior castle with you so you mm -hmm. can kind of cross-reference things. Yeah. And so it was helpful. Not only did you say it, but she also reiterated the importance of realizing that the interior castle is actually something that's in within us. Yeah. That to, to say and this, I love this, that you um, you have to say, I, I need to go into a room, but you're already in the room. Yeah. 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 And we talked about that last time. So we don't realize that, do we? Yeah. I mean, the kingdom of God is within us. And I think um, it, it's something I honestly have struggled with. It, it's easier for me, and maybe it's maleness. I don't know. It's easier for me to conceive of uh, the narrow way of this external road that I'm walking up. But no, I mean, it's why no matter where we are, we can be with him. It's why um, we can always uh, draw upon his presence and strength because he, he is in some mysterious way within us. And so the, and the interior castle is, is it, you know, it's weird. I, I, I kind of like to conceive of it as both inside and outside of us. And this, this may be confusing, but I just had this vision as we're talking about it. But, you know, as we enter in, now we are, it is within us, right? Mm -hmm. And then as we go deeper, it's more fully within us, you know? Uh, so that's, that helps me to conceptualize, because um, it's hard for me to envision the entire castle being interior, but then as I move more deeply in, it's more fully present. And that's certainly true. Um, and has been spoken of by the mystics and even in icon iconography. I love the, the um, Orthodox icon of, of Jesus uh, where, where you see him in a circle, you know, as a baby, but in his, you know, uh, in his uh, godly form too, in her womb. And I always think of the more filled we are with Jesus, the bigger that space he occupies in our soul. And so those kinds of images help me uh, understand the mystery a little bit. I mean, it's, it's a mystery because it's hard, you know, it's, it's, it escapes our ability to fully grasp and understand at any given time. But it is a beautiful analogy that I think in it, at the very least helps a person to understand, you know, the average Catholic to understand that my Catholic faith is not about I go to church on Sunday and I go home, you know, it's way bigger than that. 
Um, and I think, you know, the mystics in particular help to illumine a world and a life that we would have never otherwise conceived of if they hadn't shared their heart like St. Teresa's done in the interior castle. Oh, your paradoxical imagery sounds a lot like your good friend, John of the Cross. Yeah. You know, I mean, that. have you ever seen that picture that he drew, the, the ascent? It's actually yeah. a, like a mountain that turns right downward. Yeah. It's, it's, I think that's what you're kind of describing in, in your own way, weren't you? Yeah, I mean, and St. John of the Cross speaks of uh, the incomprehensible incompre- nature of the mystery of our union with God and our progress in God. And I, the analogy I use is uh, one of my favorite landscape artists is Albert Bierstadt. And he, he has this beautiful painting of, the, uh, of, of a valley in Colorado that I've been to, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, but when, you, but the best we can do like in this show and, and in the writings of these saints and all that, the best we can do is try to paint a picture of, of this beautiful scene, right? For people. But the only way to really understand it is to enter into it. So when I look at the picture of Bierstadt, I think, well, I've fished in that stream and I've, I've been there when it was snowing and I've been there when the Rocky Mountain sheep were crossing the road and I've been there uh, uh, when a moose appeared and I've, I, I've smelled um, the, the, you know, the spring emerging and I've seen uh, the early snow and fall. And so, so the guy, so what we do, what we're trying to do, I think what discerning hearts does, what spiritualdirection.com does is try to entice people into the scene and to say, look how amazing and beautiful this is. But the, the, but the, the, the call to the participant, you know, in our work is, but the only way to really understand it is you have to enter in and then uh, follow the, the mystic as they guide you you know, through all of these beautiful experiences. And certainly I think Teresa is one of the greatest guides in the history of the church. And, but we must enter in, we, we have to begin to practice mental prayer. We have to begin a more serious awareness of where we are in relationship to where God is and gaining that Godward self-knowledge. Otherwise it's only head knowledge and, you know, St. Paul, speaks of that kind of knowledge is knowledge that puffs up. And so it causes a kind of pride and uh, a lack of true understanding because we think we understand it, but we're not, we've never really entered into it. And so it's just ideas, right? So the the goal of, forgive me for being presumptuous, but I think knowing you a little bit, the goal of discerning hearts is let's learn how to enter in so that we can meet the God of this saint or the saint of this God, of our God, and they can show us the way and then we can begin to be transformed by that, that encounter that comes no other way. It doesn't come through reading. It comes through living, but reading helps, you know? So uh, it's, it's all a bit of a challenge to understand. It is. And as you said, as you enter in that and you begin to have that encounter, what is it you're experiencing? And it's one thing, I mean, is I think this is why I'm so glad you're with us. And I'm so glad you brought this book forward because this, you begin to encounter things and you're not sure what they are. 
And right. discernment is essentially, it's not just an Ignatian tool. It's a wisdom that comes with uh, it's, it's great sister is prudence. And yeah. it's, you know, pausing to say, okay, this is, this is a, is this a temptation or is this operating out of a woundedness or am I really hearing this right? And few um, teach that I yeah. think very well, you know, and I, I, especially in today's world, because there's so many voices, Dan. Yeah. You know what you described and how you just described how you encounter a circumstance and then you, you begin to, to ask, you know, what's going on? Why is this happening? What does it mean? You're raising yourself up out of the circumstance, which means you're ne- you, you've, you've eliminated really the possibility of being a victim. Mm-hmm. because you're entering into a conversation with God about what's happening, which then sh- it's like turning lights on all over the room, you know, a dark room. And that's a really key moment, I think, for, for Christians when they're trying to follow God and, and what St. Teresa illumines in the interior castle is, is tries to help us understand what's happening. Ignatius too, right? I mean, the thinking about thinking, which Father Gallagher so beautifully uh, uh, reveals in his great book on discernment of spirits is is just uh, so powerful. But if we if we simply are going throughout every day, on, not with this interior dialogue with God, we we are living like animals, and like animals, we will be controlled by circumstance. Um, we will be our our base nature will rule us coupled with circumstance, which means the enemy does whatever he wants. Mm -hmm. But as soon as we begin to ask the questions you asked or examine things the way St. Teresa or St. Ignatius or St. John of the Cross teach us, we begin to exit out of that place that really is a pathway to hell. I mean, it's, it's the road to hell is that place where we just live in our lower nature, but we begin to exit out of that. And then all sorts of beautiful realities emerge and we, we find healing and we find peace and we find encouragement um, and we find perspective that <laughs> begins to separate us from the world. Um, not that we don't care about the world or love the world in the sense of the people in the world and their suffering, but we begin to think completely differently about all of that reality. And instead of being tossed about by the waves of, of culture and of circumstance, we become a light to say, you know, our only salvation is Jesus come this way. And, you know, that's, that's really the mission of my life is however broken I am, a beacon, a broken beacon, a broken beacon is better than none, right? Or a dim bulb is, is looks great even in a dark room. So, uh, but uh, the closer we get to him, the, the brighter the bulb gets and the, the more healed we are and the better light we are. And so it's, it helps us to become one with him ourselves, and then ourselves and then uh, help others to become uh, to, to know the same pathway and to know the same reality. It's it's uh, I couldn't imagine a better way to live life than to do what we do. We'll return to St. Teresa of Avila, Spiritual Warfare and the Progress of the Soul with Dan Burke in just a moment. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? 
Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. A Love Song by St. Teresa of Avila Majestic Sovereign, Timeless Wisdom Your kindness melts my hard, cold soul Handsome lover, selfless giver Your beauty fills my dull, sad eyes I am yours, you made me I am yours, you called me I am yours, you saved me I am yours. You loved me. I will never leave your presence. Give me death. Give me life. Give me sickness. Give me health. Give me honor. Give me shame. Give me weakness. Give me strength. I will have whatever you give. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to St. Teresa of Avila, Spiritual Warfare and the Progress of the Soul with Dan Burke. Yeah, that explosion of awareness for some, I mean, it's so the example of St. Francis of Assisi mm-hmm. or in, in what you've outlined, even in the, the opening mansions in the book, show a complementarity in a very real way to the teachings of the Desert Fathers. Sure. The ones who wanted to go out there and to really uh, not only battle the things that would block them to a greater union mm-hmm. and would give us such a direction. And then guys like Dominic, the, the great mendicant orders, the Dominicans who wanted to go out and preach and share all that. Mm-hmm. What Teresa is giving us in the interior castle, I think, and you mentioned this last time, I, the reason she's the doctor of the church, because she now can articulate, particularly to lay people, though I don't know if that was her intention, but to lay people as well as her sisters, what this looks like and how earthy it is, that that, hum, that humus, that humility to be able to uh, 
express something so true. You know, it's funny, you, you asked an interesting question there, or you, you posed it, whether or not it's written to lay people. She was brilliant. Um, uh, I think because of her union with God. And of course she says, I'm writing just for my sisters, but frankly, I think that that was to throw off the inquisition yeah. that was that had a confiscated her you know one of her, her the book of her life and uh because of confusions caused by the alumbrados and those in that time frame but i think it's very clear otherwise she wouldn't give analogies that relate to secular issues which she did you know but um uh, that was one of the things i love about her she's very crafty in a very holy way well, and when she's talking about that first and second and, and third, because mm -hmm. you you kind of treat them, even though they're separate chapters and, and, it, and rightly so, they are kind of a block, you know, of yeah, where, are. as you said, like the, the what we might term the purgative way. Right. And in that first mansion, you know, I, it struck me as I was reading your description of it, and maybe this is more of the second mansion, but when we were talking about that awareness that the interior castle is in us okay that it is in us that in today's world there are many right now and you've seen the polls and you've seen it that are they have an awareness that it's there but they are so removed from religion for whatever reason that might be it might be formation or just the scandals that have afflicted the christian church uh, many organized religions, um, whatever that might be. So there, there's that inkling and that really, and I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. Would you, and that's, that might identify or give us a sense of that first castle person or person. Right do you think spiritual, but not religious prior to entering the castle? I think yeah. uh, that's, that's where I would agree with you. Yeah, because you don't, you know, you don't yet see my probably my favorite single passage in the catechism, which I tend to reword just a bit, but uh, I love it. It's the entire divine economy is ordered to bring us to union with God. Mm -hmm. um, they don't yet see the beauty of that divine economy, and some have been injured in the midst of that divine economy by the humanity, by the broken humanity that exists. Mm -hmm. But it's very common before people enter into the castle to be, you know, thoroughly confused about what the faith is about, even if they've been baptized and been in the church for 40 years, you know, it, uh, most people don't know the purpose of confession. They think it's only for forgiveness of sins. And that certainly is a very, um, how would you say, uh, impoverished view of it it has a much richer and deeper reality certainly that's an important aspect they don't understand that they're the meeting of heaven and earth that comes in the holy sacrifice in the mass and how it is that we truly uh, receive the body blood soul and divinity and that our disposition in that reception determines our pathway to heaven or hell even you know it's that consequential uh, you can receive the Eucharist and become a saint or receive the Eucharist and desecrate the Lord because you have unconfessed mortal sin. So you have two people walking side by side up the aisle. One is solidifying their pathway to hell and the other is becoming a saint and they're both doing the same outward action. 
but people outside of the castle have no awareness of these, these dynamics. And they are, tend to be um, just animalistic kind of base human nature, even baptized, of course, baptized and confirmed because they're not living in the fullness of all of that nascent power that comes through baptism and the confirmation. They're, they're living in ways that suppress and reject those graces, even though you can't unbaptize yourself, you know? Um, so the work of God is always present and drawing us, but yeah, it's, you know, she talks about familiar spirits, uh, St. Teresa, which uh, means, what she means by that is the, the early stage person has demons that they normatively cooperate with, thus the word familiar. And they're not even aware of it, but they're just mm -hmm. jerked around all the time. And I, we see this all the time. And, and, it, and I don't say it in any, like none of this is a criticism of anyone in these states. Like if you're listening and you're finding, you're going, wow, that's me. Neither of us are criticizing you. It's more of just saying, hey, there's just such a better way, you know, and, and uh, let us walk with you and let's, let's figure this out together, no matter how bad it is, no matter how broken, you know, if you've suffered sexual abuse or, or, you know, some of the worst kinds of things that the world can do to you and even people in the church can do to you. Um, there is no remedy other than drawing near to Jesus. So let's, so let's go, you know, <laughs> let's move, you know, let's, let's, let's rise and be on our way as, as Jesus, as Jesus said. Yeah. And she will say, particularly as the soul that it hears that and, it, and, and when I say here, I'm thinking of the more the Benedictine, you know, you hear with the ear of your heart yes. when you, yeah, you hear that and you just, you want to, you're moving towards that sound. You're moving towards that. Um, it, and that entrance into the, what would be understood as the second mansion, mm -hmm. you, you begin to, you want to do the things that continue to get offer that, that, oh, I can't think of a better word than, Dan, then ping. There's a ping. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's because you're corresponding to your baptism and your confirmation. You, you, when you, you know, uh, James 4 7, which I think is the best summary of the Ignatian rules, is resist the devil and draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And so mm -hmm. as, you, as you do that, as you live that through uh, Teresa's wisdom, um, he he will increase in you so he's already drawing you right otherwise you wouldn't care you wouldn't buy the book you wouldn't listen to this podcast you would you know he, it's evidence that he's in you that you ache for something different that you long for something you don't understand but you know you don't want to be where you are you know god be praised for that for that deep a difficult stomach turning you know place but 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 be encouraged because that is evidence. The, the people I worry about are people who don't care, uh, mm -hmm. who are ambivalent, who are who are who, who it doesn't matter. Their souls are numb. You know, Saint Paul said to Timothy, "It's as if they have seared their consciences with a hot iron." It's extremely dangerous place to be. But if you're worried about it, God is working in you. We need to turn that worry into devotion, 
but nonetheless, he's working in you. If you are ashamed of your sin, God is working in you, not to, not to suppress you in shame, but to show you what it means to live in freedom, no matter how much you've sinned, you know? So that's the call of Teresa, come in deeper. It's the call of Jesus, you know, uh, come deeper. Let me show you all that I have for you. Yeah, I um, I don't want to jump too far afield in from what our discussion, but it, it makes me think of something from Teresa's life that she will say in this particular these stages, maybe throughout the, well, actually throughout through all the mansions and the importance of having good spiritual companions, good yeah. spiritual friends, and and in her um, perspective, you know, spiritual directors, mm-hmm. um, but that because it's the importance of the Christian witness. And where I'm going with this is that when you flip it and we become that spiritual companion to someone in that second mansion, yeah, someone who is seeking, it's so important where we're at. And you, she became that for that whole order, or at least for a maj- many women within yeah. the order, they began to see what was happening to her and they were attracted to that. And hence the reform really took off. Yeah. Would you say that's appropriate? Yeah, when you're, you're porting out an important aspect of being an authentic disciple of Jesus, right? It's, it's when you are an authentic disciple of Jesus, um, you, you begin to change and the world changes around you. It, it's inevitable. It, and if it's not happening, you're, you don't understand and you need to dig in and go, okay, wait, I thought it was this. I thought if I'm a good businessman and I go to mass on Sunday, I'm an authentic disciple of Jesus. And I want to say, you are not far from the kingdom of God, (laughs) but that's Mm -hmm. not it. You know, uh, it's, uh, there's a phrase that makes some people uncomfortable that I like to use, which is if you're not all in, you're not in at all. And what that doesn't mean is if you're not perfect now, you know, you're excluded, you're bad, you're rejected. That's not what I mean. What I mean is you have to be all in for that next clear calling of God to draw deep, more deeply into him. And he's all in for you. I mean, he gave everything for you. So um, he's there for us. But yeah, an, uh, an, uh, a determination of healthy, and maybe I should add this probably to the, the three ways. In fact, I may do that in my next iteration. But uh, that the, in, in the first uh, movements, we are figuring out a little bit of the gospel and who is Jesus and who am I and whatever. And then, you know, subsequent movements, we begin to be concerned about the salvation of others. You know, we begin to be concerned. Now, we're not quite ready to be teachers then, mm-hmm. but we certainly are able to f- follow the command of Jesus. He said, go into all the world, you know, uh, make disciples and baptize, you know, people in my name. So we can certainly become witnesses of what he's beginning to do. And then we become true uh, disciples. And then we learn uh, about uh, the foundations of the interior life. Then we can begin to teach, but that's after we've overcome, you know, habitual mortal sin and those sorts of things. Um, but yeah, you're, you're, you're exactly right. It's, it's, it's normal Christian life that we're taking people with us. And it's why the demons battle, try to keep us from out of the interior castle is because they know if Chris gets in there, so this is the demon talking, 
if Chris gets in there, she's going to start this stupid ministry called Discerning Hearts and bring, you know, thousands and thousands of people. You know, he hates that, right? I mean, that's his mm -hmm. words, not God's words. Jesus' words are, you know, well done, right? But uh, that's how it works. So the enemy works very hard to keep us from entering in because normatively then we bring people with us. That's right. We'll continue this conversation in our next episode. You've been listening to Spiritual Warfare and the Progress of the Soul with Dan Burke. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com, or you can find it within the free Discerning Hearts app. Also, you can view the video of our conversation by visiting the Discerning Hearts YouTube channel. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you find us worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Spiritual Warfare and the Progress of the Soul with Dan Burke.